I'm Steve McLeod and this is Bootstrapped. It's a podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies or wanting to run one. I run two bootstrapped software products, Feature Upvote, which lets your customers vote on ideas to improve your product, and Sabre Feedback, which offers a feedback widget you can add to your website. Follow along as I learn from talking to other bootstrappers and experts, and just maybe you'll learn something too. Hey, Steve here. In this episode, I'm answering questions from a couple of listeners on the same theme, freelancers, that is how to find and hire freelancers. And I'm doing this as a solo episode. First, a disclaimer, I definitely do not feel like an expert in this area. Finding and hiring the right people is hard. I don't have any secrets about how to do it well. I have made a couple of disastrous hires in my time, people who turned out to be entirely wrong for the role and for the ethos of my company, and they didn't last very long. In the name of discretion, I will not be talking about those bad experiences. I will try to dwell on the positives. All I can do is tell you about my experience, and perhaps there is something to learn in that experience. So that's the disclaimer. So the first set of questions come from Paolo. He asks, My co-founder and I have been bootstrapping our SaaS company since 2015, and at this point, we have a bit of cash flow to hire outside help. I've heard you mention that you have a team of freelancers, and I was wondering where did you find them? I'm having a hard time with Upwork, and I was wondering where and how did you find such great people to work with? First of all, Paolo, I want to say congratulations to you for getting to the point where A, you have some cash flow to hire outside help, and B, you're actually willing to do so. That's a position in which I believe very few bootstrappers manage to reach, so you should be aware of what you have achieved there. And to answer your question, Upwork... Yes, I, found, I have found people in Upwork. It's difficult, but it can be done. I have found people in my personal social circles and I've found people on discussion forums, namely our bootstrapped discussion forum at discuss.bootstrap.fm, amongst others. And I've combined all of that with some patience and some luck. Let's go into some detail. I'm going to tell you about when Upwork actually worked for me. And I think the trick for me was that I actually hired somebody for a very specific short task and only when that went well did I then extend it to a more ongoing basis. So this is a chance for me to tell a story about my own my own progress with my company. I started in 2008 with the current company and at the time what I really liked about it is that I got to do everything myself. It was actually really enjoyable to try all the different parts of running a business. It wasn't just the coding. I also got to do design, product development decisions, customer support, which I actually enjoyed for a while, not so much now, and server admin. This was something that was a bit mysterious to me. So I actually enjoyed getting the chance to learn how to set up servers that I could use with my business. Well, forward a few years to 2014, and I'm no longer enjoying stuff like that. About once a year or so, I'd find myself having to revisit my server setup or maybe set up a new server. And every time it was like I was learning from scratch again, like I was starting as a complete beginner because whatever I had learned last time, I had forgotten. 
It had been pushed out by all the other things I was having to juggle in my head as a solo bootstrapper. So I figured it was time to actually try and get some help. Odesk, as it was then, it's now Upwork, was the place I thought I would try. So I put a, an advert on there for a very specific task. That is, I needed somebody to help me set up a new server that had to be a Linux server running with whatever hosting agency, hosting platform I was using at the time, and it had to have specific software on there. I think I was trying to set it up as a continuous integration or continuous deployment server, as that was the whole big trend at the time. I started doing it, realized I just didn't have the desire and that I was feeling stressed because I had so many other things to do. So like I said, I put in the advert and a few people responded. And because it was such a small task, I wasn't too diligent in, in the interviewing. I found somebody who was able to talk my language. He seemed to have experience. He had good ratings and so on. And the price was good. So I gave him the task to do. Now, I expected it would take me a full day, eight hours or more to get this done. He did it in three hours. This was an eye-opener. Not only did he do it much quicker than me, while he was doing that, I was able to work on something else. And now I had the server. I felt like it had been set up finally, properly, unlike my other servers. He seemed to, to know a lot more about it than me. And best of all, if I was to go back and revisit that server in the future, I knew that I could go to him again. I had found somebody who could do the work and he knew the history either via email or via memory. And because his day-to-day -day jobs involved working with servers, he wasn't going to forget how to do it. So it was a real eye-opener to learn then, hey, actually getting other people to help is a really positive thing. And if you give your, your own time and hourly value, then you actually end up way ahead in terms of numbers. So that's when Upwork worked for me. Now, three years after I first discovered that person on Upwork was when I was starting Feature Upvote. And this is a product that was finally, unlike my previous product, server-based in which it can only be working if the server is available. It's a SaaS. And I knew I was going to have to be far more diligent about things like doing daily backups, making sure the backups work, checking log files, checking for anything strange that had been set up, checking that our server usage was not at uh, high levels. So I, I asked him if he was available to actually help on an ongoing basis each month, and he was. He's now working for me for 10 hours plus per month. So... What happened there? I gave him one small task to do. I was patient and I went back to the person who proven himself when I was ready to get someone more, more regular. Okay, so that's how I found someone on Upwork. Number two, personal social circles. Now this one has worked really well for me. And again, I'm gonna give you a concrete example. I used to, well, I have worked in co-working centers quite a lot over the years. And you know, you tend to meet people there who are of a similar mind and you keep in touch. Well, one of the great things about Facebook, despite all its flaws, is it makes it quite easy to stay in touch with those people you meet over the years, but who you've kind of fallen out of touch with. So if we're going to go back to the beginning of Feature Upvote again. I managed to do an MVP, a minimum viable product. It worked. It worked fine. I was very pleased with it, but it was dog ugly. And despite my best efforts, I could not make it look the way I kind of envisaged it being in my imagination. I couldn't really launch the way it was because I think it was just going to create a terrible first impression if I didn't make that design much better. So I needed help. And as I thought about what to do, I thought perhaps there's people I've met in the past who can help. So I went onto Facebook and I lo looked at all those friends in my network that I met over the years and 
was asking myself, are any of these people designers or people who might know designers? And there I saw somebody that I had worked with in a co-working center some years earlier. And I remembered that he worked in web dev. So I contacted him and asked him if A, he could help or B, he could recommend somebody. Turns out that he was still working as a freelancer, uh, that he had availability and that he believed that he had what it took to be able to improve the, the appearance of our site. So I gave him my mockups that I'd done in Balsamic. Uh, I gave him the code that I had worked with to date and he just tweaked the HTML and CSS and got us to a point where I actually felt now I could expose this to the public. Uh, that worked out really well and I got him to do some other things for me from time to time and then eventually two years ago he started working with me on a regular basis and now I was working three days a week. So that's the second way in which I found somebody, personal social circle, reaching out to him, trying him for a particular task once and when that worked, building it up and then gradually as I have the need, taking him on on a more permanent basis or a more regular basis. So the third way in which I found people was through discussion forums. And I'm going to talk about, again, one specific scenario in which it worked out really well for me. Again, I'm going to tell a story about Feature Upvote. When I started it, I chose as a marketing channel content. I thought I'd write blog posts every week or every month. I'd write good pages comparing our product to alternatives, uh, highlighting features of our product, and just making sure that we kept on or I kept on improving the content on our site. That worked pretty well at first, but as the product began to take off and I was actually having demands on my time from customers and I had too many things on my to-do list, the content was the stuff that I kept on procrastinating. And at some point I realized months had passed and I hadn't done anything serious about improving the content on the website. It was a real problem. And I needed to do something about this. Traffic was beginning to plateau and it was threatening the viability of Feature Upvote as a sustainable ongoing product. Now, I didn't actually say to myself, I need to solve this problem, but I had identified it as a problem when I fortuitously saw a post on our forum from somebody who had just written an ebook that was on the topic of content marketing for startups or something along those lines. Well, that triggered my interest. So I went and bought the ebook. I read the whole thing in one evening and thought, this has some solutions to problems I'm facing. But I knew I was still facing the problem of procrastination and having read this book wasn't going to solve it. Now, the person who wrote the book, I saw on her website that she was also offering content audit services to people such as myself. So I thought, well, let's see what she can do. What, let's see what problems she identifies with my site. Now, I don't know if she knew this or not, but what I was actually doing was a test and I was testing to see what her services were like, whether she was responsive, reliable, whether she actually identified the very obvious problems I was aware of. And, you know, that happened. She ticked all the boxes. It worked. Her fee was um, reasonable, something I can afford. So then I gave her a second task, which was to actually spend a couple of months fixing the problems she identified. And, you know, again, she did it on time, reliably, professionally, and without us ever really agreeing, it just ended up becoming an ongoing process as I kept giving her more stuff to do, asking her to look at new blog posts to write and so on. Uh, maybe whether she could even rewrite our whole homepage. So all this stuff started happening. And she worked with me for a couple of years until she had to take a break for family reasons. And I'm hoping that one day she'll be available to, to work again. So 
it's kind of the same story three times, whether it was Upwork, my personal social circles, or via discussion forums. In each case, I just dipped my toe in the water, tried somebody out for a very small task. You know, if they had failed at that task, I had lost a little bit of money, but no real damage done because I wasn't committed to actually going ahead with the work they did. And when that did work, I then would try something a little bit grander. And then eventually when I felt confident in the working relationship, I'd make it something more ongoing. So I hope that helps with your first question, Paolo. Let's move on to your second question. I wonder how to improve the communication. For example, how frequently should I check on the freelancers without annoying them? I'm going to assume, Paolo, that these that any freelancers you find you're working with remotely, I don't think you can <laughs> do too much communication. If you are finding that your freelancers are annoyed because you're expecting a lot of communication, perhaps they're not the right freelancers for you. I definitely would not keep freelancers around too long if they were annoyed that I wanted to do frequent communication. Especially in the early days of working with somebody, you need to be like communicating with them daily, if not more often. I understand perhaps what you mean about you know, checking up on them hourly or whatever, but put yourself in the point of view of the freelancer. They've come to your team and it's all alien to them. They have none of the history of why you've done things the way you're doing them. They don't really know your product well. They don't know your working style. And they're probably desperate to find out all this stuff. So I would like seize this and actually say to them, we're going to be having a chat or a phone call for half an hour each day for the first couple of weeks that they're working with you, whether that's calendar time or time passing and a couple of weeks worth of days. And then gradually reduce that down to a daily or a weekly status report that they send to you. I would be writing to them regularly too. I try to do a lot of my communication asynchronously. So I make sure at the beginning of each week I send an email that highlights priorities for this week and leave no doubt there and ask that at the end of the week they'll write to me and tell me what they've done. Look, if it's somebody just working for a few hours a month, then I think monthly is fine. Especially in the early days of working with somebody, you just can't have too much communication. And if a freelancer doesn't like the amount of communication that's happening, then I don't think they're right for a bootstrap company where you're paying with your own money and there's no room to accept somebody just working in the dark for weeks or months at a time. Okay, next question. How do you vet freelancers, Ask Paolo? How do you vet freelancers and specifically developers? With enough money and time, you can give small projects to a bunch of candidates to test their skills, but as bootstrap founders, our resources are limited. Okay, here I really have to say, I have no idea. I really find this very hard myself. How do you tell if a developer can work when the only true way of testing a developer is getting them to start with you and seeing how it goes? So I don't think this is a solved problem by anybody. You know, there's tons of blog posts and tons of books on how to go about this, and that, that's the case because it's so hard to do. And we've all worked, well, if you work in an organization last, large enough, you would have had the experience of working with colleagues who are obviously not very good at what they do and colleagues who are brilliant at what they do. And I'm sure if you went and talked to the person who interview, interviewed both types of people, they would say that there was not much in the interviewing process that seemed to differentiate them. So it's hard. I think you just have to accept that there is going to be a, a cost up front to find the right person with the vetting, with the small projects. And if that's too much of a, a cash problem, then perhaps you just need to build up a bit more money. And look, if you do hire somebody and they turn out to be wrong, you have to be willing to let them go very quickly too. So like I said, I have no strong answer there. I just realize it's hard and I also struggle with this myself too. 
So Paolo, I hope those answers helped. I'm going to move on to Robin now who also asked some similar questions. So Robin asks, what roles do I have on my time at the moment and how are they split between full, part-time, freelance, permanent, and so on? So I have my system administrator who works 10 plus hours a month. I have my web developer-ish guy. It's hard to really describe exactly what he does because he does a lot of different things. He works three days a week. And then I have my web, de my designer who's two days a week. They're all freelancers and they're, none of them are actually exactly as they describe them. The nature of as a very small company is that you need generalists, not specialists. And for example, the, the designer has been doing some marketing tasks for me and sometimes he does some QA stuff and the system administrator has written a couple of scripts for me. So, you know, it's just trying to take advantage of their wider skills, giving them a chance to try new skills if they're keen for them and looking for people, preferring people who are open to working broadly and not narrowly. Then Robin asks about those I consider part of the team and those who are external. Yeah, the people who work for me regularly on an ongoing basis over many months or longer, I consider part of my team. If they're able to interact with each other and do interact with each other, they're part of the team. If they're like an agency that has their own team or they just use them for a, a short specific task, whether it's for a week or a month or three months, then that's external and I don't try to build up some sort of team rapport with them. Robin asks, what roles did I hire first and why? Well, I think I've kind of described this, but I have to say on the topic of hiring for spe uh, specific roles, if I was hiring an, another person, I wouldn't necessarily say I need this role to be filled and that's the person I'll find. Instead, I'll, I'll think about all the 10 or 20 different things I do on a regular basis and I'll just keep my eyes open for somebody who can help with some of them. You know, there's so many different things we do as bootstrappers and if there's somebody who can just help with some of them, it doesn't really matter which tasks they are. It's just the whole idea that there's somebody to help with some things. There is a specific role that is starting with me soon and again, this is somebody I've been toying with the idea of getting on board for a while and it's only when somebody became available and I decided, okay, let's get it going and that's a customer support slash success person. I probably could have started with somebody a year ago but the right person became available and that helped me choose, let's do it now. Robin actually asked specifically about that role. He heard me mention on the podcast that I've got a two hours a day support slash success person starting in January. It's actually February now due to life. He says it's been on his list for a while and he's interested in how I went to find that person. Again, it was my personal social network, Robin. What I put in the job description, there really was none. It was a very informal process. And the interview, well, the person who worked for me in the past, another role, so it was quite easy to bring them on. He wants to know about the onboarding process. So this ties a bit about communication. In the first weeks, for, let's say the first month, I know that support is actually going to still require my time just as much, if not more, than it was beforehand because I'll be answering tickets and she'll be watching and then she'll be learning from that. And after we've gone through that process a bit, she'll be answering tickets but waiting for my input before sending them. And from this, we'll be building up some processes. We'll be realizing that there's some stuff that just hides in my head that we'll be documenting and coming up with formal policies. So it'll probably be the third month before I'm actually saving time and effort because she's able to do all of this stuff without much input from me. It also ties back to the whole communication that I talked about that when somebody's new, you need to allow a lot of time to communicate with them, if not daily, 
in almost daily. Robin also asks, what about the fact that the nature of customer support is that some days there's more than others? What will she do with the spare time in the days when it's not very much? So we've thought about that, and that's where the customer success part of the role comes in. Where she has spare time from there not being enough support to do, she'll be actively looking at our new trial signups and looking for the promising customers, the ones who are from uh, the type of company we'd like to work with and who have actually already got started in using our boards. Maybe they've invited team members or added a customer domain name, these types of things, and she'll be contacting them and asking them if she can help them get up further and offering the chance to even do telephone calls or Skype calls or Zoom calls or whatever you do these days. So there's that proactive start stuff in which we'll actually be nurturing the people that we think will be best fit to be customers of ours. Two more questions before I finish up. So Robin asks, what am I left doing at the moment and how's my role evolved as I've hired more people? Well, I still do most of the development because I really enjoy coding. That's why I started a software company. But I'm definitely doing more managing these days and that has been a transition that I haven't always enjoyed but I am enjoying the challenge of developing as a business owner. But, you know, it's not my favorite thing, the hiring and firing and, and training and managing. However, I do enjoy seeing the results, which is people who can work autonomously or with other members of my team and seeing them work together and sometimes doing stuff without me even being involved. When two of my freelancers work together to get something done and at the end of the day, all I have to do is come by and say, great work, I like it. To me, that's some measure of success. He, Robin also asks how do I want my role to evolve? Yeah, this is a good question. I'm probably at, almost at the size of company I want. I certainly do not want to be at the point where I'm managing 10 or 25 or 50 people. So I think I need to actively stop my company from developing much more in terms of team size. And there's ways I can do that simply by putting the prices up or not offering demos or other things where we uh, just make it clear that, you know, stopping product development and only fixing bugs, for example, these things can be done or even selling the business or one of the products one day. I'd actually rather do that than find myself running a company of 50 people. Final question from Robin is, how has buying the second business changed your approach to all of this? So regular listeners will know that I started Feature Upvote four years ago and I acquired Sabre Feedback almost a year ago. So it has definitely made me more of a manager than a doer. And that was actually one of the things I concretely tried to do with the second product when I acquired it. I didn't want to be hands-on doing this stuff. I wanted to see if I could find a way to get other people to do things for me, to delegate. It's something I needed to learn to do, and it's part of why, one of the many reasons why I acquired that product. Okay, I'm going to wrap up there. It's been long enough. Robin and Paolo, I hope I answered your questions to some degree. I want to say again that this stuff is hard, and I think it's best done slowly. I think it would be a mistake to hire too many freelancers too quickly. You have to be slow at hiring and quick at firing when you realize you've got the wrong person and you need to be willing to spend time to develop the person's skills and ability to work with your team when you do hire them. Okay, on that note, it's time to say goodbye. As always, if you've got questions or you'd like to discuss this further, please go to our forum at discuss.bootstrap.fm and I will be back next week. Bye, everybody. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm.